So welcome back to episode 15 of Monocle Movie Dudes. My name is Mac. My name is Sean. And my name is Keith. This week's movie is 1986's Highlander, directed by Russell Mulcahy, <laughs> starring Christopher Lambert, Clancy Brown, Sean Connery, and Roxanne Hart. Highlander is a 1986 British-American fantasy action film. How about a plot synopsis? Born in the Highlands of Scotland. <laughs> Born in the Highlands of Scotland the in 15... <laughs> Born in the Highlands of Scotland in 1518, Connor MacLeod is immortal. When he is wounded in battle but does not die he is banished from his village he meets another like himself ramirez who teaches him swordsmanship the only way to kill another immortal is to take his head and the ways of the immortals modern day new york is the location of the gathering where connor and the few remaining immortals must battle to the last for the prize (laughs) (laughs) great writing as always my brain wants me to read them as they're written but then at the same time it's like wait that's not right i read that one out loud like three times and that's like not quite making sense <laughs> we'll fill you in as we go. Yeah, what's you guys' history with this movie? I think I might be the only one that has one. I've seen this movie uh, parodied and like talked about in popular culture, but I've never actually seen this movie myself. It's, it's about my history is exposure through pop culture. Yeah, I'd seen it once before, and it made quite an impression on me. I from Ben from episode nine. He bought the Blu-ray. We watched that together, and boy, did that look a lot better than my 1997 DVD. <laughs> <laughs> that was for some reason in a box the whole time. You had to hit the zoom button for it to fill in the screen. Oh, that's stupid. Well, you remember, yeah, it had top oh, and bottom yeah. and left and right bars. Like, what the shit? <laughs> they weren't ready for HDTVs, I guess, back then. What were they thinking? They weren't. <laughs> Don't they have any vision? You know, the future is now. <laughs> Not, not then. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Let's, Let's discuss the cast. Him. First up, Christopher Lambert as Connor McLeod, the main dude. I thought he was awesome. I thought he showed a lot of range between his days in New York City 80s, where he was like kind of an intense dude, but then uh, he would see his past in the Scottish Highlands, and he was really happy and like having fun, it seemed like. I thought he was really good in this movie. I literally liked his accent. Yeah, I don't know. That's debatable. I thought his accent kind of slipped here and there. As far as his accent actual acting though i do agree he does show quite a bit of range he's got like the stoic in the process of taking a dumb kind of face on most of the time in the future in the past no he does look he's happy joyful he's got his friends family Mm -hmm. at least for a little while anyway yeah Yeah. i I wasn't overly impressed with this guy i thought he was pretty good i thought he was a little wooden maybe that was a point seen at all man he's four hundred thousand years old he's like a vampire he was was pretty good i don't think he was the best actor in this movie oh no certainly he was pretty good i think he fit the role you think he had the right look I'll mention his accent more in the history because, yeah, he does have this really kind of question mark accent in the, in the 80s New York parts. And his Scottish accent wasn't bad. He's French, so he, and he was pretty new to the English language in general. <laughs> and I think it shows a little bit. I think he did pretty good for a guy who had just learned English like two years before. We got Clancy Brown, who was the villain in this movie. The Kurgan, a.k.a. Victor, Victor Kruger. <laughs> I thought this guy was fucking awesome. Yeah. He is amazing. Clancy Brown. Now, that name sounds familiar. He's that would voice of Mr. Krabs. That's what I thought. Yeah. Ooh, that blew my mind when I heard that. I was like, holy crap. I kind of really like makes that sense, show a lot more. He's yeah. got that uh, crispy, crunchy voice of his. Like the mm-hmm. deep, raspy voice. No, yeah. He was great. He was very imposing. Not the kind of guy you would want to meet in a back alley somewhere. No. Yeah, really scary dude. He's 6'4 in real life in this movie. I would have guessed he was like 6'7. Probably had lifts, but he just <laughs> has such a presence. He's awesome in this. Like, really fun villain. He's having such a good time throughout this whole movie. He oh, really yeah. is. Cranking like Queen, driving him. around, playing chicken. <laughs> Teasing the nuns. Putting safety pins into his neck scar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he is. He has this kind of like metalhead punk rock 80s yeah. His cradle is too filthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a, he's a badass dude. Yeah, he's a rude, crude, get him done kind of dude. Next up, we got James Bond himself, Sean Connery. We got the Scottish guy playing the Spanish guy and the French guy playing the Scottish guy. They're all over the place in this movie. <laughs> it seemed like he didn't even try to attempt to do an accent. I saw in the IMDb trivia, they mentioned something about him working with an accent coach to work on his Spanish accent. I don't think they worked very hard. <laughs> no, man. They probably worked for like a day. He, just got, donuts he got really frustrated through scotch at him and then sent him away. <laughs> Chucked <laughs> a glass of scotch behind his yeah. head. <laughs> fuck out of <laughs> like here. A fucking hand grenade. I thought he was pretty good. I, I don't know. It's a tie probably 
between him and Clancy Brown for my favorite actor. Who cares if he didn't have an accent or whatever? He was still fun to watch. Oh yeah, I, I thought, thought it was funny. I, yeah, I thought he was good. Clancy Brown was better for me. I think he really knocked it out of the park. Sean Connery was good too. It's just like having seen 12 quadrillion times what he did three years later in Indiana Jones, I was just thinking, yeah, he definitely tried harder in that movie. He uh, was better in that movie. He could have done better, but I think he did a good job. All of his scenes were shot in the course of a week. They didn't have much money and it was kind of a hurry up thing and they didn't have a whole lot of time for him. So I think if they had more time to work with him, it might have got a better performance, but he was still good. And I like the relationship with him and McLeod. Oh yeah, yeah it was cool. It was really, it seemed genuine. Like they were both having a really good time on, on set and off. Running on the beach. Drinking sex on the beaches. Let's have sex on the beach. <laughs> Do it in the sand. <laughs> yeah. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You know what we're talking about in the interwebs. <laughs> Elevate up, down. Yeah. Oh, and anyway, so <laughs> last but probably least, Roxanne Hart, who played Brenda. I thought she was pretty good. I believed her as like a smart, tough, really good at her job woman. It's a really weird way to say things. Yeah, I bought her as a forensics person, like who would mm -hmm. have that kind of a job, and she seemed smart. She wrote that book that you see later, and she knows all about swords and whatnot. I thought she was just really kind of unremarkable. Really? No, well, I didn't think there was anything she wasn't, special about yeah, her performance. Yeah, definitely not. Especially when you compare her to who else is in the cast. You have to work extra hard to stand out. In I think case. she did pretty well in her scenes with Chris Lambert. They worked oh, pretty yeah. well together. But yeah, she she was all right. That's all I would really say about her. The relationship was weird, too. We'll get into that. Yeah, the relationship we'll was weird, but pretty interesting. That is that. So we'll get into the brief history of Highlander. Get some bagpipes. Gregory Wyden, best known as the writer-director of 1995's The Prophecy, wrote the screenplay to Highlander while still a student at the UCLA Film School. He sold the script for $200,000. According to producer William Panzer, Gregory Wyden was a student at film school and he wrote this as his writing class project. He was apparently traveling through Scotland on his summer vacation and he was standing in front of a suit of armor and he wondered, what would it be like if this guy was alive today? <laughs> and that's where everything fell into place. The idea that there are more and they were in conflict with each other, leading secret lives the rest of us were unaware of. Wyden was also influenced by Ridley Scott's 1977 film, The Duelists. The script was changed in many ways before filming began. <laughs> Attention, Duelists. <laughs> Ridley Scott made a movie. My hair is listening. The script was changed in many ways before filming began. Connor was originally to be born in 1408 rather than 1518. He leaves his village rather than being banished. Ramirez was a Spaniard born in 1100 rather than an ancient Egyptian. The Kurgan was less of a savage and more of a cold-blooded killer, and the Immortals could have children. Connor had 37 in the original script. Wow! Yeah, getting busy. The concept <laughs> of the quickening was totally absent in the initial draft. At one point, the film's final battle was to take place at the top of the Statue of Liberty. An amusement park was also considered as a setting. <laughs> oh, that, that would have been, been kind of cool. Yeah. That would have been interesting. Fighting on Ferris wheel. I think it was. <laughs> it came down to it was too expensive. I mean, you'd have to sign out the whole park for the day or however Yeah, long it, it would have been way more but a money. Sword fight on a roller coaster really <laughs> jumping from ferris wheel car to ferris wheel car yeah that would have been really cool on that ship that's like going back and forth <laughs> <laughs> the opening of the film was originally going to take place at an nhl hockey game rather than a pro wrestling match yeah i guess they took it out because the nhl didn't like they're going to emphasize like the violence of the game so Not they just went enough. with yeah they went with wrestling which is supposed to be violent a scene was planned in which after defeating the kurgan connor would have to fight a ghost dragon wearing the helmet of the kurgan that was cut for a budget reasons. Wow, that sounds awesome. Though. Yeah, it sounds insane. This isn't even my final form. <laughs> yeah, totally. Director... 10% of my power. <laughs> the 10% of the quickening. <laughs> <laughs> Director Russell Mulcahy was influenced by the techniques used to shoot music videos such as fast cutting. The film was partly shot on location in the Scottish Highlands and in New York City, with some shooting in London and Toronto. French actor Christopher Lambert had recently learned to speak English at the time of filming, and Highlander was only a second film in which he spoke any English. Lambert became such good friends with Sean Connery that he insisted he return for the next installment in the series. Lambert worked with a dialogue coach to create an accent that sounded ambiguously foreign. During filming of Clancy Brown and Sean Connery's fight scene, Brown accidentally nearly decapitated Connery. Holy shit. Some crew members feared Brown during the shoot, feeling that he had become the Kurgan. <laughs> <laughs> He's a method actor. Sitting on a throne of bones in his trailer. On a throne of blood or whatever. <laughs> Season of evil. Many famous actors were considered for the Connor McLeod part, including Kevin Costner, Nicolas Cage, oh. David Caruso, who's the... Yeah! 
guy uh, from oh, yeah. CSI Miami. <laughs> yeah. uh, Robert De Niro, Michael Douglas, Richard Gere, Harrison Ford, Mel Gibson, Ed Harris, William Hurt, Don Johnson, Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, Al Pacino, Ron Perlman, Burt Reynolds, Mickey oh. Rourke, Kurt Russell, Christopher Reeve, Sylvester Stallone, Patrick Swayze, John Travolta, and Bruce Willis. God damn. So they were imagine? thinking about tons and tons of guys. Can you imagine yeah. Sylvester yeah. Stallone is the Highlander? <laughs> that would be so stupid. Hey, yo, you, you cut off my head, I'll die, but I cut your head off first. I'm fooling you. It's a quickening, baby. I am everything. <laughs> <laughs> I know everything. <laughs> That is a pretty substantial list. Anybody like, who's anybody, yeah. I would uh, really like to see Nicolas Cage doing that. Because he would have been like 20 maybe at the yeah. time. Yeah, like Vampire Kiss era. Been awesome. Raising Arizona. Rutger Hauer and Nick Nolte were considered to play the Kurgan. I could see Rutger Hauer being awesome too. Lee Van Cleef, Clint Eastwood, Malcolm McDowell, Gene Hackman, <laughs> Michael Caine, and Peter O'Toole were all considered for the Ramirez role. Michael Caine would have been awesome in that role. <laughs> Not a big Michael Caine fan. I'm just thinking about like those Batman movies. I guess at the time it wouldn't really matter. Glenn Close, Linda Hamilton, Diane Lane, Demi Moore, Sigourney Weaver, and Sean Young were among those considered to play Brenda. The British rock band Queen provided several original songs for the film. David Bowie, Sting, and Duran Duran had been previously considered to do the soundtrack. Sting was also considered to play the part of Connor McLeod. Oh, and we all yeah. know he is the perfect man. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. He the is per- the only one. <laughs> Wearing a steel bathing suit the whole time too. <laughs> Little wings on the side. <laughs> the professional wrestlers seen towards the beginning of the movie are the fabulous Freebirds <laughs> going up against Greg Gagne, Jim Brunzel, and the Tonga Kid. <laughs> Despite the film's poor showing at the box office, it became a home video hit in the United States and spawned three theatrical sequels, one TV movie, a television series that ran from 1992 to 1998, an animated film, an animated series, and several comics and video games. Actually, they did both. They did an anime and a traditionally animated movie. Mm-hmm. Highlander was made with a budget of $19 million and made how much worldwide? I'm going to say $25 million. I'll say $15 million. You're close. 12.9 worldwide. Damn. Made <laughs> $5.9 million in the United States, including two and a half million in its opening weekend. A little bit about Russell Mulcahy. Australian director Russell Mulcahy is best known for his work on the first two Highlander films, as well as Razorback, Ricochet, The Shadow, and Resident Evil Extinction. Oh, that's oh, a classic man. right there, kiddies. Great movie. That's a good one. Stay tuned All for right. that one. So I guess we get into the review. We get some red text on a black screen. It explains that since the beginning of time, there have been like a special race of people that can Moving live forever. The Sean Connery narrates this to us, how nobody knew who they were until now, and explaining who the immortals are. After that, it kicks off with this friggin' awesome 80s intro music brought yeah. to you by Queen. What did you think of how they did for the soundtrack in this movie? I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I liked, I, it. I liked it. It's weird. I had heard a lot of it out of context. Because the first time I saw this movie was probably four or five years ago. And then last year at the job I was working, there was this guy who was really into 80s Queen, which a lot of it really sucks. I'd heard a lot of these songs out of context, and they're not bad. And they're better in context with the movie. I think it fits the movie well, and it adds a lot to it. So that there at Madison Square Garden, Midtown, New York City. Got the wrestling matches going on. It's fucking WrestleMania. I thought I saw Mario in there with Maria. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it would not be this guy's scene, the main character. So we'll see more that he's like this sophisticated, four and a half century old antique dealer. Is that like part of it where he's like trying to stay out of his element so people can't find him as easily? I mean, that could be part of it. Maybe. We never really see him do things like that again. I assumed he was here because he could maybe sense the other immortal. Yeah, that's, uh, that's probably why. He just knew that that other guy was nearby. <laughs> It's a great, like, aerial shot over the crowd in the wrestling ring. Yeah, I was wondering how the fuck they did this. Because yeah. the camera moves from, like, way up above the ring, way up into, like, the upper deck. It was on wires. Yeah, this movie, really right out of the gate, all through it, has really good cinematography. It's one of my favorite things about this movie, is just the way it looks. All the shadows and fog and different colored lights look really cool. The way the camera moves is really fun. Yeah. Visually, this movie is pretty ace. Yeah, like, yeah parts of it, good. like, remind me of that POV Evil Dead Sam Raimi move where the camera is like it feels like it's chasing after a character one of the wrestlers i think he thinks he's a sexy ass man one of those fabulous free birds he's moving and grooving around he's got his confederate flag cape oh yeah yeah and yeah he's like wiggling his <laughs> hips and sticking his tongue out Ooh, hi, the wrestlers mama. were great there was one wrestler that was just smashing his head against the corner over yeah. and over again <laughs> i like that there's these ladies in the audience that love it one girl's like Woo! 
<laughs> and another girl like sticks her tongue out like she wants to lick his hairy, greasy body. Oh. Well, it helps. <laughs> <laughs> it helps to kind of make him stick out a little more. Like all the crowd is going crazy, bug nuts. Like there's a guy that's sitting right next to him, pretty much screaming in uh, oh, Cloud's yeah. face. But it's he's a stone yeah. face. Like this is bullshit. <laughs> what am I doing here? This is how I was gonna spend my Saturday. Goddamn. And that draws him back to the past. And it really makes you think. The wrestling match is intercut with some of these like battle scenes from back in 1500 yeah. Scotland. Yeah. And I took it like. Cool. It was like reminding him of his past. A yeah, bit while the thrill of it. battle, the smell of blood, and the taste <laughs> of steel. All that good stuff. Yeah, that delicious stuff. goodness. Jason's in attendance. Jason's in the crowd. This guy in this hockey mask. Jason goes to the match. It could have been Casey Jones. It doesn't necessarily happen. Oh, to Jason. you're right. You could yeah, have been it a could turtle. Have been it was New York, but yeah. Jason might have been in New York. He's been there once. Yeah, at least. that's true. Jason took Manhattan. I guess maybe it's both. Maybe they're on like a date, <laughs> hanging out. Man, that movie sucks. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so he bails and he goes to this foggy dank, dirty parking garage under the stadium. This parking garage looked so easy. I loved his shoes. His shoes. He had really nice shoes. Yeah. Top notch. I couldn't tell what kind of brand they were, but they were really nice. I mm. want to find out. There's this weird guy with sunglasses. Yeah, he looks, looks like deep throat. He's like, McLeod. It's like, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. And it's they just so start weird. sword fighting. <laughs> yeah. And shit is on. It's a pretty cool battle sequence. Um, they both got two different kinds of swords. He's got a katana and the other guy, did he have like a rapier? Yeah, or like a saber. It's like an old Spanish sword they say mm. later. The lights start going crazy. Yeah, the lights start flickering. There's sparks everywhere. The sprinkler the system sprinklers, yeah. Off. The guy that he's fighting, at one point he starts doing so many backflips. He's a backflipping fool right now. And like, I wrote, it's crazy. Like, is that actually faster than running? No. But it and looks it cool. And it would take up a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah, I like that they put that in the movie. That was actually not in the theatrical version. And what, the backflips? Like, yeah, I'm mm. glad they put that back in because that was funny. You spent all this time practicing. Of course you're going to want to use it in the heat of battle. Right. right? you got to show up. I might be remembering this wrong, but I think the actor that he's in the sword fight with is also a stuntman. Great low angle shots like going through all the cars when he's running behind them. I do really like how the arena that they're fighting in just gradually becomes more and more fucked as they continue yeah. to fight. So his sword gets kicked away at one point Conor McLeod but he gets it back and he chops his motherfucking head off. Yeah, like Wu-Tang. Uh, Conor McLeod ain't nothing to fuck with. <laughs> like the motherfucking ruckus. <laughs> Let's protect your neck. Torture, motherfucker. He gains his power, I guess. We see the first example of the quickening phenomenon. So whenever you kill one of the other immortals, you become stronger. Do you think he just becomes stronger just because, or is he absorbing the immortal that he killed's power? It's getting um, his knowledge. What I think it is, <laughs> is, I, I, <laughs> is like what I've worked out in my head was that there's a finite amount of spiritual energy that this collective group of people has. And as their numbers get reduced, every immortal gets stronger until there's only one lap. And that's what uh, Kruger's deal is. Like, he's super buff because he's had all these battles and won. In the, the novelization. <laughs> yeah, why don't you read a fucking book? Yeah, why don't you read a fucking novelization of the fucking oh. book? I think it's Kruger is like good like a thousand years older than McLeod, who was only born in the 1500s. Yeah. We so see, he's had a lot more battles. We see early on that he already has all the endgame armor and Kruger does. Yeah, he's maxed out. Double question. He's got armor. the dragon scale armor and shit like that. Oh, man. The cars start just going crazy. Like, one of them just kind of, like, blows up. A lot of the yeah. car windows all break. There's these occasional things. The lights things. go on and off. Like, it looks really physically taxing, too, to absorb the essence of this guy that he just murdered. He chopped his head off pretty good, too. Like, cut it, it so hard that it... flying, right? Yeah, it, yeah. The sword, like, was embedded in the pillar, like, a good inch or so. Yeah, yeah that, that was, from was like, a, concrete That steel. was a mistrop, I think, from earlier. Oh, was it? I think so. Mm. I don't think it was from when he decapitated him. It was from when he swung at him and missed. Dug into the pillar a little bit. It's the thing with the quickening. It starts floating in the air a little bit right and there's all this lightning starts shooting into him and he's like mm -hmm. screaming his power level is maximum it's kind of it looks like <laughs> yeah, it's leveled up so somewhat painful to get quickened on <laughs> quicken that hope it does look like a painful experience that whole process when it's all done though i thought the shot with it like kind of all quiet like you could still hear the uh water falling from the sprinklers but it's just him like cloaked in shadow like on his knees like after it's yeah. all over like exhausted I thought, like i thought it was a great shot and then you hear whoop whoop in the background oh snap the 5-0 i gotta get yeah. the hell out out of here. Well, well, first they cut back to Scotland. It tells us it's 1536, and that the McLeods are going into battle against one of the other clans. They don't tell us why. Find out that some guy pissed his pants during some last battle, and he's like some joking clown now. Oh, yeah. That was pretty funny. They gave him such a hard time. Well, that's pretty much what the scene is. McLeod and his posse, like, riding out to war, jesting about times of old. His wench comes up and is like, come back to battle safely! And she gives him some flowers. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was a burning cross 
cross in the background, which I thought was pretty weird. I think that has other old religious connotations besides the KKK. It was weird to see in the middle of this movie. So they meet the enemy on a spooky field. Oh man, the battleground was awesome. There was like yeah. lightning in the sky. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Yeah, it was like an Iced Earth song. <laughs> and we see the Black Knight, the Kurgan, for the first time. I guess so the um, metal. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's pretty metal. I guess the extras, they was all just got local people from Scotland to do this. And there were some minor injuries on, in the field because they just got so mm -hmm. into it. They work all day and then just like drink scotch all night. <laughs> all these dozens or hundreds of guys. And then they would come in though next morning and they'd be fine. That's nuts. It's the price of war. No, it did. <laughs> the battle sequence itself was pretty good. I believe that it was an actual fight. People were getting pretty rough and rowdy. It's, it's pretty chaotic. LARPing so hard. All the guys from the other army are avoiding Connor because the Black Knight wants him for himself. I'm assuming he knows somehow that this guy's an immortal and that's yeah. why he wants to kill him. So McCloud didn't know at that time that he was an immortal being? No, not until his near-death experience. And yeah, Ganondorf shows up. Yeah, that's right. It, it sounds <laughs> just <laughs> It sounds just like Ganondorf's horse or whatever in the yeah. game. He takes him out pretty easily. Just stabs him. Yeah, like yeah. he fucking puts him down like a bitch. Like McCloud runs up to him thinking that he's gonna get a lick in, but he just stabs him right in the gut. And he's saved, I think, at the last minute from getting his head chopped off. The Kurgan says the famous line, there can only be one. That was crazy. It took like seven guys to get that one guy off of him. Did you see that mob pit that like just freaking knocked him down? When he was still fighting the Kurgan, it was oh. one guy at first, then it was two, then four, and then mm. six, and they finally got him away from him. Yeah. He's so strong. He's so powerful. He's so mighty. <laughs> Such girth. Thick. Beefy. Beefcake. Yeah, we didn't even say how many beefcakes we give the Kurgan. I'd give this guy a four bordering on a five. I'd give him a six out of five. He's maybe not the beefiest mm. of men, but he's got the beef and the massive height. That's a really big, imposing, scary-looking dude. Yeah, yeah, dude, he's a right prime Right down to cut. his face. Like, he's got this, <laughs> just a crazy-looking face. Crazy eyes. Speaking of Clancy Brown, I just watched a pretty shitty movie. It was the 2010 Nightmare on Elm Street remake, and he's in there. He is so different. He he doesn't have the crazy voice. He's older and he has like gray hair and like a beard and he looks so much friendlier. He looks like such a normal guy. There's tons of cops as he's trying to leave Madison Square Garden. I can't imagine why. He does have the smart idea to uh, throw Madness. the sword up on yeah. top of a light before he leaves. Though. Yeah. And he gets some police brutality. There's this mm -hmm. one cop who is just knocking him around and yelling at him. He likes his job a little too much. He's getting a little too into it. He gets arrested and then it's back in Scotland and they have lost the battle. But there's this really cool shot when they first reintroduce us to Scotland and the, the camera's silhouette. kind of gliding right to left and the sky is totally orange and there's like oh, the silhouette yeah. of like the castle and like the guy playing bagpipes. There's a boat too, right? And a boat, like I think. Water. Yeah, it's like on a river. Yep. It made it feel like you were on the boat. Very picturesque. It looks really good. All of the cinematography in this movie, most of those shots are awesome. Fantastic. And it's a really smooth transition too. Like all of these transitions back to Skyrim and whatever, they all look really good. Like they're really smooth and seamless. They're not jarring. No star wipes. Nothing like that. Yeah. I think the time jumps are well executed. And mm -hmm. it does almost feel like how they would do it in a book. With the possible exception of one later that we'll talk about when we get okay. to it. <laughs> and he's getting the last rites of the church because he's just about dead from that stab wound. And then the doctor pronounces him dead. His girlfriend freaks right the fuck out and, yeah. and then that's it. That's the credits. Party's over. Yep. <laughs> that's Highlander, guys. Hope what a story. It. What an epic. <laughs> So hope you I, enjoyed it as much as we did. See you next week for blah, blah, blah. They come back to the parking garage and it's a zoo. There's tons of cops, detectives, forensics people swarming in there because like a thousand cars just exploded and a dude got his head chopped off. It's chaos. And the cops are checking out the body. And one of the cops is the detective from towards the end of the Big Lebowski, the guy that drives the blue Volkswagen bug. Oh, holy crap, you're right. Yeah, yeah he was also in Miller's Crossing and a bunch of other movies. Uh, I forget his name, but he's a good actor. We see the forensics woman who turns out to be Brenda. And she finds this Toledo Salamon sword. It's like 500 years old and she's like how the fuck did this get here? They put it together that he might know something about this sword because they know that Connor who is Russell Nash is yeah. this alias in the modern world. They know that he's an antique dealer. It's like hmm. They put two and two together. So they cut to him in questioning police station. And the same cop is still being a bugaboo staring at him. It was really aggressive kind of look on his face. And some great lines here like you a faggot Nash? <laughs> yeah. He's why? Like, you looking for something? <laughs> So they have like some for something. right back yeah. to him. That was great. You sound kind of funny, Nash. Where are you from? Lots of different places. <laughs> He's um, intense in this like 80s. He is. Scenes. He's cool. They mentioned there's another decapitation in New Jersey like a month before or something. And it's like, everyone in New Jersey, Nash? And he's like, not if I can help it. Nobody wants to be in New Jersey, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> nope. A fight breaks out at one point. Uh, he finally gets to fisticuffs with this a-hole cop. And then like everybody else in the police station is like, yeah. 
It's like I drop a blood in the shark tank. Everybody starts going bug yeah. nuts as mm -hmm. soon as it starts happening. And then he bails. He's like, this shit sucks, bro. Not yeah, it's like, here. am I under arrest? No, I'm fucking out of here. Fucking peas. Cut to, like, the necromancer. Kruger, <laughs> he's, yeah, Kruger. Uh, he's in a sports car. Yeah, Queen. listen to Queen. He kind of reminds me of the scary guy with the motorcycle from Raising Arizona. It's kind of like how he's introduced, yeah. too. It's like the same way. It is really cool how they show how McCloud is in this current day and age, and then it cuts to the contrast of this guy. Mm -hmm. He's just got the black leather, like the chains hanging from everywhere. It's so cool. And he checks into, like, this sleazebag motel. The guy's like, you think Brad's blow? Just die low. We show him that he has a lot of money. He yeah, he's like, like a, fat a wad. huge wad of, I think, just $100 bills. Yeah. I don't know where he got that money. 500 years interest ends up. So we have this whole weird sword assembly montage. Oh, this is so great. He's got this sword in, like, a rifle case, basically. And he <laughs> yeah. just, like, puts it together like he's getting ready to go to the top of the tower. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, like, spinning it around in his arms. Yeah, and he's doing all sorts of tricks. Yeah, it's like stuff. this three-part sword that he has to assemble, put together, because it's so long. Do they have swords like that, where you can just, like, assemble them and put them together? Maybe I it's don't custom know, made maybe. Just for him. Probably just to make it easier to hide and bring yeah. it in different places. So they send up a prostitute. Candy. Hey, my name's Candy. And this weird shot, the right side of the frame is just his eye, basically, and then it's her in the background and goes, of course you are. Yeah, like he's <laughs> hungry. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good shot. Her all the way in the distance. So it cuts, it's like some guy brings Brenda those sword fragments that got caught in the pillar like we were talking about. So she runs some tests on those and then yeah. she returns to the parking garage to check out the slice, I guess, better. Yep. And she finds a few more uh, pieces embedded yeah, yeah. into the pillar. And running some tests on it, she finds out the steel has been folded 100 times? It was in the hundreds. That's how they make samurai swords to make the metal really I dense. They just fold it over and over again. McLeod's hanging out there with his long Yeah, she spooks coat. him, right? Because he's going back for the sword that he hid earlier. And he's sneaking around like Solid Snake. She goes to a oh, bar and he follows her there and tries to buy her a drink, tries to smooth up to find out what she knows. Mm -hmm. I'm guessing that's what he was doing. She's like a hard yeah. drinker. Drink the heavy scotch. There's one weird thing about this scene was there's tons of, it looks like heavenly light, bright white light coming in from outside, even though it's supposed to be nighttime. Yeah, it's like they're in a different dimension yeah. or something. It's weird. It's the rapture out there, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> he leaves, and she follows, and then he winds up in his first big fight with uh, Kruger, the Kurgan. Which is pretty yeah. fast. You wouldn't think that the protagonist and the antagonist would meet up for their battle so quick. It just shows that he doesn't waste any time trying to hunt this guy down. He's got an objective, and he wants to get the quickening. Makes me think of I Saw the Devil. This fight scene was pretty sweet, though. Yeah. The lighting was really nice. Like, uh, half the time, they were, like, just cloaked in shadow. And, like, like, silhouetted. Yeah, stuff it's like this that. bluish light, and there's all this fog. Sometimes, yeah, you just see they're totally just silhouetted. You don't really see them. The police helicopter shows up pretty soon. Yeah, yeah after a little while. Yeah, the cops aren't going to tolerate this kind of bullshit. There's something in this that confused me. Before the fight, he, like, sneaks up on Brenda, Connor does, and puts his hand over her mouth and all this stuff, and then the Kurgan shows up, and it's Maybe like, he knew. He was just like, oh shit, he's around. Because I mean, they've already shown that they can kind of sense each other, so they must have known that one of them was nearby. Probably, but it was kind of weird because at the end, he says to her, don't follow me again. At the beginning, it looked like he was following her. I don't know, unless I'm reading that wrong. I think he followed her to the bar, and then she tries to follow him after he leaves, because she shoots him down when he offers to buy her a drink, because he's just trying to get information out of her to find out what she knows about the sword. At least that's what I think is how it went down. Yeah, it could be. It cuts back to Scotland again, and they think that he's got the devil in him. Yeah, he's got living dead girl scenarios. So it's like that movie all over again. Everyone in my village hates me. They don't know what I had. Uh, he rolls into a bar and he's like, hey everybody, what's going on? And it just on? goes quiet. What's a death curse? His woman from before that was like so hot for him. He's, she turns on him right yeah. quick. Says he's a witch. He's in league with Lucifer. One guy's like, I was clansman with uh, Connor for 20 years. I don't know who you are. It's next to Ireland. But they have a lot of weird superstitions there. Somebody has two different colored eyes. They think that that person's like possessed by the fairies and shit. <laughs> so it's a superstitious area, I guess. Especially that long ago. So someone smashes a glass on his head and then it yeah. cuts to him it's in, in the um, stocks throwing beat his ass stones at him throwing like, rotten fruit at his face like. <laughs> they headbutt him like five times they spit oh, on him it's pretty brutal dude angus like was, angus bodangus yeah the angus cut he's your cousin man <laughs> he, saved, he saves him come on donkey come on you donkey <laughs> 
So they, they do, they banish him instead of murdering him. So there you go. We see his cool-ass space-age apartment oh my for the first time. Oh my god, this guy's got like the best apartment ever. This would make Patrick Bateman from American Psycho pretty jealous. <laughs> <laughs> he would love to live here. It's just like this great big studio apartment. He's got like this boss-ass fish tank in the middle of it. He's, he's got, got like, I think a grand piano. And then in the back he's got like a war room where he's got all of his trophies from like... Oh the, yeah. He's got all these like, all like the really centuries. rare antiques and stuff. It's like sealed off. He's the only one that has the access there. It's like it a seems like room, it, yeah. Kind yeah. Of. It's this big open plan thing. It's like he has half this whole building to himself. It's yeah. crazy. It's really nice. I like his sofa area. Yeah. It's really nice. Yet again, back to Scotland. Now he is a happy smith. He has, I guess, a wife now. Living out in the middle of the boonies, just him and her. And it's yeah, like and they getting like to, real romance novel kind of vibes. Yeah, they have at this picnics point. and get it on. Well, you know, it's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, who but Sean Connery jumps up over them on a big ass white horse literally yeah. leaps onto the scene what an entrance what did you think of his outfit like I loved it like it was a, ostentatious he looked like a Spanish <laughs> pimp sure. had those gloves and that hat with a feather it was oh, yeah. so red it just looked oh like he was God. wearing red velvet if it was socially yeah. acceptable he would wear it all the time he draped in it <laughs> he introduces himself as Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez <laughs> <laughs> makes basically no attempt at a Spanish accent I'm, I'm fine with it and he explains he knows who McLeod is and what the deal is and what's going on like, come with me, boy. He's getting, like, struck by lightning, and it's like, it's the quickening. <laughs> yeah, we are brothers, McLeod. <laughs> the line is like, what you're experiencing now is the quickening. It's like, oh, no. So back at the police station, this movie really does jump around even more than I realized. Yeah, when um, you're watching it, it's not that jarring. It doesn't feel like it. Thinking about it, it's like, yeah, there are a lot of changes. Deborah's looking up case files on a Nash. Juxtaposed with him sitting on the couch, sharpening a sword, remembering the Reading good times. Reading a sword book. That was a book that she wrote. They're kind of gathering information on each other at the same time. Kind of cool. It's a really kind of a quiet movie at times, I noticed. It gets so dead, there's like no sound. It's kind of nice. It's like yeah. almost peaceful at times. Yeah. yeah. Um, the storm. So they're out on a boat, on a canoe in Loch Ness or whatever. McLeod doesn't really like water. He just can't swim. It's like, I'm not no fucking fish, man. He sounded a little French, I think, at one point yeah. in the scene. It kind of comes out. They kind of <laughs> trade insults. Like, he's not quite yeah. ready to trust this guy yet. He calls him Haggis. Compares him to Haggis. Sean's like, what's Haggis? And he's like, it's Sheep skin stomach. He's yeah. like, what do you do with it? You eat it. He's like, you dang fool. Sounds revolting. And we find out that <laughs> What's he's. a cold Burger King. <laughs> yeah. <He's> like, <laughs> Have it your way. <laughs> what if? Uh, we find out John Connery's an Egypto. He's ancient Egyptian for some reason. What does this say? Hypno Egypto. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Connery just dumps him in the lake. You better learn to swim, bitch. And he doesn't. He just gets to the bottom where he would have drowned. He's laughing. He's, yeah, he's like, oh shit, I'm a merman. He's like, oh, oh. How cool would that be? Like, I mean, sure, you'd probably be pretty happy too if you found out that you could like live underwater, basically. Yeah, That'd be sweet. Cool. You know, nobody bothered down there. Later. Fab in peace, finally. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> Fucking peace and quiet. Aqua fab. Jesus. 9,000. <laughs> So he tries and fails to chop Connery's head off because he just teleports away. He's too slow because he's yes. fast. <laughs> Connery kind of reminds me of Yoda. This is like his Jedi training. And it tells him about the gathering that will one day happen, which is what happens in the modern portion of the story. And you get a sword training montage. A good sense of progression. He's pretty scrubby at first. He does get better as we jump from scene to scene to the point where he's kind of on level with Connery and then he eventually surpasses him. There's one part where Heather, it's his wife, is like making fun of him and he's like Heather please <laughs> oh yeah I beg y'all I beg y'all it really hurts Heather please <laughs> I beg y'all stop and they do this like sword tai chi they're like they have this controlled swing. Well, there's a, there's a term for it. I think they're called katas. It's like doing your exercises like... Like sword kata? Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah or gun like kata. <laughs> you swing your sword a certain way, you can hit someone across the room by manipulating the air currents. That's like Legend of Zelda when you have full health. <laughs> there's a shot that also makes me laugh. This red stag deer just kind of looks up like, oh, what the hell are these guys doing? <laughs> I don't remember that. It's like it's supposed to feel the power of the stag. Oh, As they're running right. down the beach, you see this deer 
running down the beach. Run with the beast, boy. And Feel the beast's energy as you run. Shit that they did with the stag. I think the shot where it's like, whoa. <laughs> it's it's like National Keanu Geographic uh, stock footage. Because oh. they had this issue with the deer that time of year in Scotland. They don't have antlers. They had to trank deer and then glue <laughs> super glued antlers back guess. onto their head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like, no shit. Are you fucking kidding me? No, I'm not. That's like some Grinch shit, man. <laughs> yeah, and the first thing they did after they woke up was just try to knock the antlers back off their head. They were confused and probably it's like, scared. No, it's not normal. The so, fuck is this shit? Yeah, it's like deco antler or whatever. Yeah, they Undertale. just like they got yeah. freaked out and just like ran off into the woods. They had to use the stock hood <laughs> in the end because it was all fucked up. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> they run down the beach and jump into the ocean and they have a big sword fight on the top of a mountain with a helicopter. And <laughs> yeah, it's fucking awesome. Awesome. And yeah, it's fucking cool. And the music's like, and it was this real triumphant moment in my life. <laughs> in all of our lives. In the life of humanity. It has touched every person on this planet, whether they know it or when not. When McLeod soars, it's not just him soaring, it's the human all of spirit. Us. Oh, yeah. Rising tide lift all boats. Yeah. yeah. I think that applies here. That applies here. They were on a boat at one time. On a boat, motherfucker. Connor finally wins one. He disarms Connery. And then they have another friendly sword fight in the woods. It gets kind of romantic here. It's just like, if it was you, would you cut my head off? Would you take my head? Would you take my head in marriage? Would you... <laughs> <laughs> Your training is almost complete. Would you... Would you take my head and then give me head? <laughs> Would you take my head and then put things in it? Put things in and around my face, please. What? <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, so they go back to the village, and it looks like a Men Without Hats video. It's the Highlands County Fair or whatever, and it's like, you can dance if you want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if they don't dance, and if you don't dance, no friends, friends of mine. We can dance. We can dance. Heather wins a chicken or something in a raffle. She runs off with it in a bag. Gotta buy a new dress. So Connor is 2,437 years old. Connery, that is. Yeah, Doesn't sounds Connery... about right. He is pretty old now. Doesn't Connery tell McLeod, you must leave her brother? Juxtapose with all this training montage, he like gives him the lowdown on what it means to be an immortal. You gotta keep in it on the down the low. You can't have kids. You can't fight on holy ground. Gives him some love advice, which is mm -hmm. don't do that. You're just gonna see everybody die. Yeah, we get like a little insight into his backstory. He was married to a Japanese princess and that's where he got his katana from. <laughs> dope sword. Mm. They talk about how he got this sword. I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit. From Japan in 500 BC. They didn't start making samurai swords of that caliber for a good thousand years past that. They bring that back up. How did that sword get there? They never answer that question. <laughs> so I don't know. It's one of the many mysteries maybe of the Highlanders. In, maybe it's in Highlander to the Quickening. <laughs> yeah. You can only hope. And they talk about the Kurgan that that was the tribe that he's from from like Russia and that they're real sick fucks. And they do weird <laughs> shit like have hungry dogs fight over kids for food. For entertainment. Sick. He's and the strongest of the immortals. Yeah, he's the strongest immortal in the fucking world. Yep. <laughs> but, Bitch. um, if he was the last Highlander surviving, everyone would be fucked. Like, oh, yeah. Everyone is screwed. Like, he would plunge our humanity into the age of darkness and yeah. we would just be fucked. Bad news, man. You're gonna have a bad time. Connery's having dinner with Heather. I don't know where McLeod is right now. What they're that hanging all, out, man? getting drunk. Uh, Telling stories to each other. And then we get some John Woo cameo with the doves flying around. Yeah. Then the door just explodes. Yeah, the like Jason Voorhees just walked in the there. The sound just, effect for the door exploding yeah. is like the best. Like yeah, the it's a total stock sound effect. Yeah. It's hilarious. Oh, so it makes man. no sense. <laughs> and they use it again later in the movie. It's just always funny. It keeps getting better. The Kurgan, he yeah. busts in on the scene. Ramirez leaps in the battle and he puts up a pretty good fight up against him for the most part. I he thought. almost mm -hmm. kills him. He uh, cuts his throat which mm -hmm. leaves a scar that's still there in the 1980s. And it's like, it's too late, I prepared him for you. <laughs> <laughs> About McLeod. He's strong now. He's not going to be no pushover like before. The Kurgan looks so fucking awesome in this scene because he's got the long hair and he's like bleeding out of his throat. Yeah. He's this bloody and heavy like, metal madman. That mill or whatever starting to fall apart. Yeah, like every like time a lightning his... storm. It's crazy. Like every time his sword hits the wall, it literally knocks parts of the building away. Yeah, yeah. the building it practically collapses. All these stones go flying. There's a little bit of slap stick too like he knocks the Kurgan the Kurgan falls like 20 feet and then kind of like dusts himself. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's 
<laughs> and then he just impales Connery when they get up to the top of the staircase. Yep. And that looks like a metal cover when he holds up the sword against the yeah. lightning strike. Yeah, yeah. crazy just thunderstorm the stairs outside. standing. It looks awesome. I was not buying his pain in this scene. No? Connery, he's just like, oh! <laughs> I owe he he stubbed like... his toe rather yeah. than, oh man, my head's about to get fucking cut <laughs> off. He's a tough old bird, he's immortal, so maybe it doesn't affect him so much. He didn't seem too bothered. Not as bothered as I probably would be. He just freaking chops his head right off and then he goes through the quickening, which I think looks cooler than the one McLeod went through earlier. Like, his eyes go completely white. It's he fucking crazy. He seems to have a better handle on absorbing the power than McLeod does. Like, he doesn't seem to hurt him so much. Like, he holds the sword up and seems to willingly take it rather than just letting it happen. Which is interesting. I figure, again, also that he's just been in this game longer. He takes a spill off that staircase when it finally goes. And then he goes and implied rapes Heather's and kind of insane. He's a naughty man. He's a bad, bad he's, man. He's, a he's bad totally, man. totally evil. As much fun as this guy is to watch. Yeah, he's not a good guy. Don't root for this guy. <laughs> Back in his apartment, McLeod is. Present day. And Brenda shows up at his store. She asks about the swords and stuff that he has. And he doesn't want any part of it, right? He doesn't really answer many questions. Yeah, he it's just basically denies that he even sells swords and tries to like yeah. redirect her to some 17th century silverware. <laughs> like, he knows that she knows that he knows that she knows. Yeah, like, checking me out, checking you out, checking me out, checking you out. Something is tearing up your mind. Yeah. <laughs> we meet his secretary. We see more that they have a lifelong relationship that you see later that he rescued her from the war. She works for him now. That's the scene that cuts next. There's that. a quick scene that I appreciated because it involves Dorita chips. The detective from <laughs> the Big Lebowski eating Dorita chips. I don't remember the Dorita chips. And it was a quick one, shot. The other one, he's got the newspaper and it like slowly folds down and he's got like the cigar in his mouth. Like, yeah, oh, these two guys, they weren't in the movie a whole lot, but they were kind of awesome. The old school detective persona. They knocked it out. The next thing they show, I think, is the World War II flashback. And yeah. this is what I meant. For the most part, the cuts in this movie are pretty good, pretty smooth, pretty seamless. This one was a little jarring with the cheesy glass breaking and the stock explosions. That was right. a little weird, but I thought the scene was pretty cool. The scene mm -hmm. itself was great. Yeah. This was another thing that they left out of the original theatrical cut that I think was a bad decision to leave out. It's kind of cool. It's his secretary, which is kind of like his Alfred to Batman. Yeah. She's like a little girl in the middle of battle and he Whoa, comes across her. I see her as kind of like that, but he's more the father figure to her. Probably. That she's just physically older. She like keeps his secrets. She knows yeah. everything like Alfred does. It's a scene where he's like crawling through the dirt of World War II battlefield and he finds this girl hiding. He picks her up and he gets shot in the back. He's like, why aren't you dead? It's like, shh. It's a kind of magic. And, he and, gets up. and then there's this, the head Fuhrer of the whole SS, it looks like, comes in. <laughs> Reich's yeah. Chancellor, Uber Fuhrer. Yeah. <laughs> comes in. He has a gun now, Connor, and he yells at him to go away, and he does. And he's like, whatever you say, Jack, you're the master race. Oh, yeah, man. such a good yeah. line. And then he just, whoa, 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 and shoots <laughs> him all down. Blows him away. <laughs> oh, it was great. Next scene, he goes to see Brenda at her apartment, and I like when he walks in, he sees this kind of chintzy painting of like a a Scottish guy wearing a kilt and he goes hmm. that's what they are doing at the apartment I guess it's yeah. like a date more like a setup than anything she's got a tape recorder hidden away uh, in the box yeah, it's a gun posed, in her um, jewelry box it's posed like a date by her and he finds her gun and he picks up the gun and says I something like your to her. place I like your place and he has this crazy yeah. look on his face I thought he's gonna go again Patrick Bateman on yeah <laughs> then he finds the surveillance stuff and he's square. like it's got an interesting view it's pretty funny those cuts and she makes up a story about working for the Metropolitan Museum as a cover for being so interested in these yeah, and swords. So knowledgeable, too. So he whips out this old-ass bottle of brandy. It's from 1783, which was, as he would well know, a very good year. He's kind of sensual with it. He's, yeah, like, yeah. really into it. He smells it, and it, like, brings back all these memories and stuff, and he knows exactly where it's come from and how it was made yeah. just from smelling it. Mentions, like, some Mozart piece that came mm -hmm. out, uh, the first hot air balloon ride, and the independence of the United States being recognized, and he does seem a little bit maniacal as he's talking about it like he's so into it yeah, i thought it, like, yeah like romantic yeah and he gives her a present which is her own book he's like oh gotcha she knows that he knows that she's a cop jigs up uh oh and that's when she starts going on about dude i found these swords and i need to know about them the samurai sword that i mentioned earlier that she said it was like finding a 747 from a thousand years before the wright brothers ever flew like that's how out of place and out of time it is she just wants answers like yeah. she she's like anything fuck else. you and he leaves and he wanders <laughs> off into the fog and Fright night. Back in the Highlands. It's the aftermath of the Krugian and Ramirez's battle. The castle is a steaming hot mess of a wreck. I think the next thing is when Heather dies. Queen is softly playing in the background. Yeah. yeah. And she's Who on her deathbed, wants right? wants to live forever? 
<laughs> yeah, it's a pretty sappy scene. I wasn't really convinced by the old woman makeup they put on I her. I wasn't either. It looked like <laughs> it looked like somebody took a bottle of baby powder and just blasted her in the face with it. Like, just oh, there you it go. That's a fan, just blowing yeah, it all over. Yeah, she just kind of has. She has like white hair now. It's like a little more pale or she something. She looks like powder. Yeah, yeah from the movie Powder. Guys, <laughs> 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 remember Powder? Yeah, I remember Powder. Holy shit! It's like. <laughs> <laughs> we should. Power. We gotta review that. Are, yeah, I was gonna say. When are we doing that? <laughs> we should do a double feature with powder and mask. Oh yeah. Oh Rocky. Oh my God. Share. Oh, oh my son's got a weird face. <laughs> Everyone wears a mask, Rocker. Oh shit! I know what movie you're talking about now. I've seen that before. Yeah, the red-haired kid with Sam Elliott. <laughs> Totally off topic, but I like on the DVD cover. Oh, the movie's like all about like he finds his inner beauty, and on the cover you see him with his arms in the air with his back to the camera, yeah, and with like Cher and Sam Elliott up like above, like prettier him. people looking yeah. down, like <laughs> <laughs> assholes. But anyway, with the white hair, it made me think of my aunt has had Ray nearly white hair since she was in her late twenties. So as long as I can remember, so not that it would be to anybody, but to me, seeing a middle-aged woman with white hair is not convince me that she's like 80 or 90 years old. We have a friend that already has gray hair. Since she was like 12. Hell, I've got gray hairs. Well, I mean, that's not, not really a good example. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, way to fuck it up, Keith. Fuck! <laughs> Get the hell up. No, don't. Uh, so yeah, he torches her. Gives her a good old Viking funeral. Burns the whole house down, everything, right? Just... Yeah, he's like, fuck it! <laughs> <laughs> like, do I, I sound like a pussy now? Oh, fuck Scotland. <laughs> fuck it. I told you, please, Heather. So like a crap of nuts. She does have one last request, though, that he lights a candle to remember her every day on her birthday. Which I think we see later in the movie. Back in Central Park, he meets another immortal. It's this black dude, but he's like in a karate gear. Castiger. I think uh, that's what yeah, they drink a boom boom. It's the stuff that he calls boom boom. Boom boom. They're like, fuck it, dude. It's the gathering. Let's get drunk. Let's get fucking <laughs> hammered. It's a celebration, motherfucker. It's going to be a crazy night. It's like, remember your old infamous duel back in 1783 on Boston Common. Oh, man, so we get our oh, one, like, yeah. our straight-up comedy bit in the movie, and it's fucking funny. Oh, it's yeah. really good. This is, I want to go and say this is probably my favorite scene. <laughs> yeah, mine too. It's really good. <laughs> so he gets, like, Jim Leahy drawing. <laughs> He's like six out of ten at least. He's, he's, he's decapitating the air, Randy Bobandi. So he fights this sissy ass English guy. Or no, he's not a sissy. His assistant. Is. Oh my god. This this red coat guy. It's a sword duel. He gets stabbed in the chest like ten times. Yeah, like right in the gut. The cloud like, can barely stand up straight. Like his powdered wig is disheveled. Like he's just falling over on himself. He can barely and, even face. And he's like the guy just he's walks to up fight. to him with the sword, just oh right in the gut again. He just and falls every over. Every time that the guy keeps winning. This duel, his servant comes up and tries to kiss his hand. Yes. His cheek, and he's like, You did so good, Master. You did so good. And he's got his fucking Amadeus wig on and shit. Oh, and eventually, so the red coat guy, he gets so pissed off that he just shoots his own servant in the back while he's running away. Yeah. He can't kill him, so McLeod finally is just like, You know what? I'm sorry. Like, I didn't mean to say what I said. Let's just go on our ways and be done. Yeah. Then it cuts to the hotel. Kurgan's on his way back in, and he's like, Oh, yeah, I heard you really like candy or whatever. And he's like, like, don't, don't ever speak, speak to me or my sword again. Maybe think of that stupid thing that I've been seeing, unfortunately. Like, don't ever come near me or my son again. Yeah, I don't know what that's from. But <laughs> There's yeah, a like, little foreshadowing, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, he's like, I hope we get your head chopped out. Asshole. And his, like, drunk homeless friend is hackling at him. Like, yeah. He's like, shut up, dude. Shut up. Shut he's wearing, like, shut. this weird leopard print getup, too, with the hotel clerk. He yeah. looks really goofy. It's like a leopard vest. <laughs> and he has, like, weird dangly earrings. He probably listens to Def Leopard. Probably. <laughs> hey, man, Def Leopard sucks. Yeah. The immortal with the boom boom from earlier he gets in a sword fight with the kurgan and this crazy ass ex-marine yeah, it's like, like a jimbo he's like a vietnam vet yeah right? he's like travis bickle at a taxi driver or something <laughs> yeah he has a shirt on that says like fuck you moscow with like crosshairs on the kremlin <laughs> oh yeah and he just pulls out an uzi and pumps his guts full of yeah lead. he walks in he's like what the hell's going on here with his gun out yeah it's so crazy that, that was great yeah. after he decapitates boom boom immortal the marine he gets 
forklifted with yeah. a sword. He gets him. Oh yeah, Jason Voorhees got. with a pitchfork sort of thing. All of a sudden, there's like tons of people here for some reason. There's practically a traffic jam in this back alley, <laughs> yeah. and there's like all the hookers come to watch. It's a whole show. Back oh. alley performance, bro. That would have been cool. Like if in this scene when he went through the quickening, the guy was still stuck on his sword, so he oh, exploded yeah. off his sword. He does. <laughs> yeah. he just flings him off of it like he's a baked <laughs> potato against the wall. Yeah, it's another round like in the parking garage of just crazy explosions. There's fire and everything blowing up all the windows is broken yeah. glass raining down like hail and then he goes up to these two old people in a car picks <laughs> yeah. the old man out and he looks at the old lady and goes hi mom or something yeah, like and that he's like cackling and this movie turns into death proof she's hanging on the, the hood of the car <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he's like driving through traffic like Grand Theft Auto he's weaving nuts the two detectives they go <laughs> to the hospital to see that ex-marine guy and I guess he is kind of psycho from being in the war but war is hell war, war is war never changes <laughs> <laughs> so he describes all the crazy shit they saw and they show him a picture of McLeod he's like no it wasn't him and they're like damn it because that's who they thought it was going to be but they do get a sketch artist to uh, talk to this guy so they can yep. get a picture of him when they show in the newspaper it doesn't really look too much like him yeah I when thought. I saw it at first I was like is that a picture of McLeod like yeah. it kind of looks like a combination of both of them so there's this whole kind of confusing thing where Brenda basically figures out that McLeod is really old like yeah, hundreds like, of years old yeah he's been using aliases of people that either had died in infancy he yeah. assumes their identities and then when eventually he gets to the point where that person would die he just moves on to the next one that's how he stays in the system but at the same time not drawing any suspicion to himself there's this whole thing with a <laughs> computer and they match up all these signatures Access and secret files yeah and it matches his handwriting in this 1985 green and black computer screen could they do that I don't think they could I, I don't know I, I doubt don't it really buy it I don't know <laughs> it's a, well it is a government computer they do usually do have better computers than we do far-fetched so. but hey maybe yeah. man and they say yeah, it's been around since at least 1700 what the hell one of my favorite scenes is after this one the part at the church i think it might be oh, st yeah. patrick's cathedral mcleod's walking <laughs> in he lights some candles and prays a little yeah bit. i'm guessing yeah. it's heather's birthday and the kurgan comes in and he goes <laughs> slaps all the candles out. yeah he's fucking with everyone and he tells connor that they're the last two and he's like what do you want he's like, your head and there's one part in this movie that voice he reminded me of george c scott especially in the movie Patton, gravelly voice and he kind of taunts the nuns he's like happy halloween ladies he looks extra fucked up now because he shaved his head to yeah. fool the police yeah it looks but he has like awesome. a weird haircut right like doesn't he still have some strands in the back just yeah i think down? he does but he's like mostly bald he's yeah. so gnarly looking it's great that's when you really notice the safety pins in his neck scar yep. from earlier it's yeah. fucking messed up this whole scene is pretty cool they're just hanging out in church like they can't fight because it's holy ground up so right it's just talking to each other and it's mm. pretty sweet connor finds out that uh, this guy raped his wife who he thought was Connery's wife and he grabs him by the neck he's got a good grip on it like you see that as big and bad as this guy is Connor at this point is not afraid of him at all he's very go toe to toe the priest confronts him at some point he's like I am a worm and he licks his hand and everything mm -hmm. oh it's it's fucking awesome and on his way out he's like I have something to say it's better to burn out than, than to fade, fade away. <laughs> Which was an ad lib, I guess. But it was, it was fucking awesome. Yeah, it was pretty like cool. It was awesome. a fun move and a little spin. He actually apologized in case he'd offended any of the actual nuns and priests that were extras in this scene. Felt kind of bad, I guess. He shows Brenda that weird hidden room you're talking about. Yeah, the war room. And she just starts dripping all over the floor. She's like, wow, look at all the weapons. <laughs> <laughs> look at all the steel. <laughs> 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 he drops the bomb. He goes to show her that he's immortal. He's got like this war knife or whatever. He puts it in her hand, kind of holds her hand, and stabs himself with it. This gets her like so hot and bothered that they immediately <laughs> just launch into a blue room sex scene. They start making out. Yeah. It's really weird. I thought it was kind of interesting. I think in that one scene, he goes back into a Scottish accent. Not Zaroused. trying to. Well, and that is like, yeah, he no longer has to keep his secret identity up with that phony accent that he concocted. Yeah. We find out he's been alive for 450 years. It was 1518, so 1518 to 1985 or whatever, however long that is. Pretty damn old, well over 400 years. Yeah. First he starts crying, and then they start making out. It's weird. <laughs> it is really weird. And they bang to, like, triumphant music. Yeah, he's like, let me bang. Uh <laughs> 
Bang bro. Kiss sex question marks. Like what the fuck? It seems weird. The whole romance angle that they like, have, it kind of comes out of nowhere. Like it does yeah, seem I like it just kind of drops in. I, yeah. I didn't feel that much romantic or sexual tension in their previous scenes together. Maybe a little. The movie does kind of jump into that pretty quickly. But I guess a lot of movies do that. But so. it did seem weird. So they're banging and then we cut to the Wrath of the Wild. They're at the zoo. Yeah, what is that supposed to mean? It cuts to like <laughs> the these raging, the it cuts to these raging lions. Oh, roaring. in the cage? Well, I took that as McCloud is a lion in a cage living in this world being the most powerful being yeah, and then having to like you stay get that in. out of it. It was just the juxtaposition was weird to me that like yeah. had this sensual, sexy sex scene and, and then, then it's then, like, Burr. Yeah, it was MGM yeah. all of a sudden. When did that song come out? They were like, let's do it like they do on the Discovery Channel. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was a shout out <laughs> to. I'm going to say that was like the late 90s. Uh. <laughs> Sadly, or else it should have been in that movie. That would have been <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals. Oh, God. They're on their romantic zoo date and they make the mistake of having some PDA because you can see the Kurgan lurking in the shadows. That was so cool. Mm. I didn't see him the first time. Yeah, like, I don't think I, I didn't even notice him. him. You see him just in silhouette. This oh, huge guy. Like, you that can... was also not in the theatrical cut. Why would you cut that out? Brenda tells McLeod that he is afraid to live. Afraid to live your life, baby. Makes you think. And then she's back at her building and then the Kurgan is in the building too. Oh shit. Catches her. She tries to run away to her credit but he just like knocks the door down. Busts too. through that fucking thing. That's the scene I was talking about earlier with how the camera seems like it's chasing her the yep. way it's moving and kind of gliding. Yeah. Awesome. And giggling the whole time. And uh, this, this whole life. scene was great. The music was great. When he takes her to his car and he goes on like this crazy joyride. Yeah. Like, chicken. Like, that uh, ball. He was. He was pretending to freak out while the driver's seat like covering his eyes freaking out with that oncoming Oh yeah, yeah. There was a scene where he like emulates Brenda's scream. Is yeah, that an yeah. ability that he has for real? She screamed and then he copied it. Like he screamed and it was her voice coming out of his mouth. That's like, weird. Like I, the Terminator or something. That's cool. I think I missed yeah. that. You got this really dark cover of New York, New York. Yeah, by Queen. Yeah, I, I yeah. really like that. It's this really creepy Phantom of the Opera organ sound all through it. It's neat. Fun fact, I don't know if you knew this. Whoever the member of Queen was that did that song, he hated it. Like he really, really didn't want it to be in the movie. Mm -hmm. It's to the point where you can't get it like on the soundtrack, I think, because it never uh, released it that way. I knew it wasn't on the soundtrack or on any other Queen albums. It wasn't released as a single. Yeah. The only way you can hear it is just in the background of this movie, basically. That's weird, because I thought it was a pretty cool take on the song. But it wasn't his vision. <laughs> <laughs> he leaves Connor a shitty answering machine message. So he bids farewell to Rachel, his assistant that he saved in WW2. She says, you're not coming back even if you kill him, right? So like after that, he's just going to assume a new life, I guess. We get a good bookend with him and her. He's like, it's a kind yeah. of magic. <laughs> That's a good line. That was actually the name of the Queen album that a lot of these songs are on. They fight on the roof of, it was the Silver Cup Bakery until 1983, and then the bakery went out of business, and then it was turned into, and it still is, a soundstage kind of place. Like, it's where they shoot a lot of shows that are shot in New York, like 30 Rock, mm. and a lot of sitcoms. So that makes sense. When they fell through the window, they fell into this big open space, because that's probably what it would really look like. Yeah, because like. I was wondering about that. It was like a fairly important building. Like, why was it so empty when they uh, finally went through the roof? Yeah. But that makes sense now that you explain Although it. the interior was actually shot in London, because it's real studio space. They probably could afford real studio space. Yeah, that's right. On that rooftop, McLeod shows up. Brenda's tied to like one of the neon letter signs. Yes. Mm. And then battle begins. Oh, it's on. Big yeah. sword fight. The Fucking... sign starts collapsing one letter at a time. Kruger starts like spinning sign. around and cutting down all the steel beams that yeah. are holding it up. Yeah, that was awesome. He's doing his own double lariat. I wonder if they actually <laughs> wrecked that real sign, because if you look at the building now, those letters are back. I wonder if that was in the budget that we'll replace this sign, but you gotta let us destroy it. Because it looks like it is. There's huge yeah. things that they knock over. Unless they did cool. like miniature stuff. Oh, really well done. Yeah, if those are miniatures, they were great. It was yeah. pretty impressive, considering that they were like standing. I don't know if there were any scenes with them in the same scene as the letters while they were fighting. It always seemed like they were know. at the base of them, so it could yeah. be miniature work. It's definitely well done. And then the water tower falls over. And doesn't <laughs> like Will Smith fall out? Move. He kind of like flushes himself down the toilet. Yeah, he just oh, looks good. like... Yeah, with his sword like floating right on the surface yeah, of the water. He's, and he looks... Oh, he's, he kills it. <laughs> oh, oh it's so good. They fall through the glass big window on the ceiling into the warehouse. Now I get the real battle royale. Connor loses his sword for a while. And then Heather lays some pipe. Yeah, right on his back. back. And holds him off. And then Eye of the Tiger starts playing. McLeod gets his sword back and he's like on fire. 
Yeah. It gets a good slash across the stomach, then across the chest. Mm. And at one point, for the first and probably only time in this movie, the Kurgan actually looks a little scared. It seemed like his pupils went totally black, right? Like they got way, way, way bigger, and his eyes look like crazy. Really cool. And he finally gets him with the kill shot. He gets him in the throat. He has a big grin on his face as his head just kind of falls off of his body. <laughs> and this weird light and howling sound comes out of the hole in his throat. Yeah, it's, it's pretty nuts. Oh, I imagine it's probably because I want to say like all the souls he's trapped inside. Yeah, yeah it's a soul NATO. <laughs> all the power he's absorbed from the other immortals, like there's way more inside of him. So now McCloud's got to take it all. <laughs> take so I hope your body's ready. And he says in this really weird voice, so it's like, there can be only one. It's like a weird, like, robot echoey voice. And then everything blows up again. The glass shatters and blows up. There were, like, these giant glass panes that they were silhouetted against. And those start blowing out all yeah. over the place. There's the crazy electro ghosts. Isn't he, the like... ultra quickening. Isn't McCloud, like, lifted up into He's, the like, air? He's, like, attacked by cartoon beasts. Yeah. Which like, I thought looked pretty cool. I thought they looked a little corny. They reminded me of Gremlins too, The lightning gremlin or the electricity gremlin. What year was this? 86. 86? What movies had good like animation spliced into live action? When um, did Roger Rabbit come out? 89 or uh, 8? I don't know, Mary Poppins? If they had done a different effect, it's pretty obvious that this is a cartoon. It's and cartoon if character. it had looked a little different, if it had been something they'd done more with, I don't know how else to do it, honestly. It is just weird that they have like these cartoon monsters floating around him all of a sudden. I don't know, to make it seem like it's a bigger deal than all the other ones. This is the quickening of quickenings. <laughs> yeah. This is the prize, as they say. This is the big one. I don't have a prize problem with it. I just think they could have figured a way to do it that would have looked a little cool. Yeah, I was alright with it. Well, he's freaking out and he's like, I know everything! I am everything! <laughs> yeah, he reaches a level beyond Super Saiyan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he does the fusion dance with all of the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he picked up the fucking Potara earring from the Kurgan when he dropped. <laughs> and they said that like, he knows everyone in the world's thoughts. Like, if he wants to, he can read anybody's mind. He has like all these new powers now. But I think he is now mortal. Isn't that right? That's like what I thought the prize was, that you finally become mortal, and that's why he was open to like a new really? relationship at the end. Yeah. I thought yeah. it was just like transcending into godhood, basically. You're the one now. Living forever is probably awful, like living for that long. And then also having the threat of somebody coming after you seems like it'd be really trying. It's not clear. I don't think any of them knew what the prize was. And There's... I think the Kurgan, he just wanted the power. He just assumed that was all it was going to be. He would still be immortal, but just be like super powerful. Yeah. It should make it more interesting. If the Kurgan had won and he got the prize, like, what if he became mortal and it was like, oh, it wasn't power at all. Or maybe it's the opposite. Or maybe it is what you want in your mm. heart. Maybe, and yeah, like, what, this, you get this Dragon really, Balls maybe together. Maybe what he really wanted was to be mortal, and so that's what he got. Yeah. It's like that episode of Invader Zim when they had to sell all the candy and it was like the mystery prize. And it just turned out to be those. adhesive medical strips. Yeah. And they go back to Scotland and they visit Heather's grave, I think. Sean Connery, there's like a voiceover of him. You now know the hopes and dreams of all mankind all this stuff. It's something about like how you can bring people together because you know yeah. what everybody really wants and what everyone's really thinking. But he says like you can live and love and have children now. All the restrictions are gone. You never prepared me for that, you Spanish peacock. Oh, Wasn't yeah. that a line? Yeah. <laughs> that was great. I assume that's why he was more open to a romantic relationship at the end. He didn't forget his past wife and that definitely like broke his heart. You can tell that. So I guess that's Highlander. That's it. We'll get some more Queen for the credits. Yeah, closing music. Ba -ba Highlander gets a 69% on Rotten Tomatoes with an audience score. Mm -hmm. yeah. A 3.5 out of 5, 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb, and a 3.01 out of 5 on Rate Your Music. So how would you guys rate this movie? I would give this movie a uh, 4 out of 5. This movie is paced really well. The actors are all enjoyable. The setting is awesome. The special effects, all of it. I'm finding it really hard to find fault with this movie outside of generic nitpicking. So yeah, I would give this a 4 out of 5. Yeah. I'm in the same camp as you. There's really not a lot holding this movie back. There are little things that can trip you up, but like it's fun to watch and it does move at like a good pace. It doesn't feel long. All of the performances are good. The characters are pretty interesting. The humor is good when it is humorous. The action is so well shot and oh, yeah. so well executed. The cinematography is top notch throughout this whole movie. Like it looks great. And jumping in between time is a lot of fun and keeps it engaging in different ways. I'd give it a four out of five also. I'd probably give this a four. I watched it three times in a month for the show and the third time 
was a fucking drag. <laughs> uh, so I almost was thinking about dropping it down to a 3.5, but first time watch, it's absolutely a 4. Second, probably even third time watch, it's a 4. So really to say on the fourth time, it started to get kind of draggy for me isn't really that fair of a criticism. So I'll, I'll stick with a 4. I'd say the acting at times isn't the best, but most of it's good, especially like the bit players, even like those two detectives were really cool. It's a really great looking movie. It makes me think of Sam Raimi and a lot of those kind of young directors in the 80s. I like the setting. 70s, 80s New York is always cool. Movies like Taxi Driver, The Warriors. The fight scenes are pretty well done. It's just a pretty cool story, really. Great fucking villain. All-time mm -hmm. cool movie villains. Pretty cool characters. It's paced well. I didn't even really realize when I was watching it how often it switches perspective because it's done so seamlessly. But it's part of what keeps the movie interesting. So yeah, I'll give this a four. I've heard the sequels suck, but I kind of <laughs> want to see them anyway because this movie was so enjoyable. So join us again next time. We'll be doing 1991's The People Under the Stairs, directed by Wes Craven. So that'll be a lot of fun. This is going to be a good one. Yeah, we're getting into October. We've got about a week left of September. We'll try to at least do a couple horror reviews between now and Halloween. Maybe three. We can really stretch ourselves. If you like what you heard, and even if you didn't, check us out. <laughs> MonoCoolMovieDudes.com or on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or even on YouTube. For a full list of where we are, go to MonoCoolMovieDudes.com slash links. And we're also on Facebook and Twitter, facebook.com slash MondoCoolMovieDudes and at MondoCoolMovies on the Twitterverse. Email us. One guy finally did. Actually, should we read that email? I yeah, think I think so. All right, we're going to read this email. And then after that, we're going to tell you about how you can email us too if you wanted to do that. You'd be a cool dude like this guy. Yeah, you want to yeah. be Mondo cool, right? Better be. <laughs> Better be ready. God damn it. So brioche. My diabetes. You motherfucker, brioche. Better listen to our shows. Motherfucker. Listen to our stories. So this is from Kenneth. Kenneth writes in, Hi guys, started listening to your podcast when the Deadpool review was posted to Reddit. That says to a lot of people. Big hit. Anyway, fucking A plus guys. Love the scene by scene format for the podcast. The Deadpool and Trek episodes have me in stitches. Favorite episode so far has been Die Hard. Probably my favorite film and listening to you guys talk about that whole film was awesome. Suggestion for a film to do would be Escape from LA by John Carpenter, Ooh, which I have cool. not seen. I've, I've seen either. Escape from New York and that was cool. Me and my friends love playing Metal Gear Solid in school, so when we found this film, we lost our yeah. shit. Snake Plissken, man. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't seen it in about a decade, but pretty sure it was a fun watch. Would be class to hear you guys talking about it. I'm living in Dublin, Ireland, and spreading the word to listen to your show. So far, everyone agrees. It's savage. We want more. <laughs> Keep up the good work. All the best. Kenneth. Woo! Thanks, Woo! Kenneth. You're the man now, dog. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> Sean Connery would say. So that email, if you want to be as cool as Kenneth, that's all spelled with K's, by the way. Mondo Cool Kenneth. Mondo Cool Ken. Yeah, man. Yeah. Sharugan. <laughs> Night of the Podcast Republic. <laughs> you can email us at mondocoolmovies at gmail.com. That is mondocoolmovies at gmail.com. I guess that's the show. Anything else? Cool. Fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> So join us again next time for People Under the Stairs. Oh, yeah. And it'll probably be not six weeks like these two episodes. Yeah, we but, apologize for the delays. Oh, uh, whatever. It's going to be <laughs> quicker from now on. What do you guys want to watch that movie anyway? Will you guys do anything tomorrow? We watch it tomorrow. We'll just do it tomorrow. We'll yeah, figure it out. That's right. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. All right, thanks for listening. People Under the Stairs is coming up. Right spooky quick. now. I guess too spooky for you. Well, we hope you like it anyway. Hide under the covers and enjoy. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye, guys. Take it easy.
I'm gonna be the man who's gonna be well of you. And when I'm dreaming, well, I know I'm gonna dream. I'm gonna dream about the time when I'm with you. When I go out, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. 